There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. This week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals are free. Visit audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicky and I'm sitting here with two of the phone hackiest hacks you'll ever meet. It's Nick Capper and Mike Goldstein. Hey. Hello. For context, that is because you have a podcast called The Phone Hacks. Yep. Yes. And yep. we are hacks. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't need to give that context. <laughs> and I'm half phone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My dad was a phone. <laughs> what was your mum? Sorry. Um, a person, oh, wow. <laughs> funnily enough. Uh, I don't know. She's, I, I think she's quarter cane toad or something. <laughs> That's not an insult to my mum, by the way. That's just the first animal I thought of that would that I thought would be funny. Your go-to animal is a cane toad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, start, I've, I've ruined your podcast already. Sorry, uh, Dave. It's off the rails. Yeah, it's great sorry. to have you both here. We've just recorded an episode of your podcast, uh, The Phone Hacks, where, Mike, do you want to explain to people at home that may not have heard of it what you do? Yeah, so we all swap phones and then a spinning wheel decides whether we go through draft tweets, notes, camera roll, or search history. And then if something comes up you don't want to talk about, you could be subjected to six uh, possible punishments. And then some of them include socials like we go on your social media and we send something stupid out (laughs) and something very stupid went out on yours uh people think you're a flat earther yeah that's right yeah (laughs) um i'll leave it up for a bit if you want to go on my instagram you can see that i am now a flat earther yeah (laughs) i've told people that uh, next week's episode of book cheat will be about a flat earther And also that I'm quite into the idea of a flat earth because it looks a bit like a pie. Yeah, yeah, you tied it all back together. That's great. When, when you when you showed me the illustration of the flat earth, as it's got the ocean and the land on it, it maybe because I'm used to the sphere of the earth, but it does look really fucking stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah, it looks terrible. Oh, so- Anyway, uh, yeah. And it's just it flying look, through space and it's, you know, the, the ocean is just cascading off the edge. Yeah, it looks so stupid. Well, I'll tell you all about it next week if you want to <laughs> tune in. <laughs> what's, the, what's the worst thing that each of you have done to the other so far? Your biggest regret on phone hacks? Um, well, Capra took my phone and emailed my mother. And, uh, oh, no. Yes, and I'm uh, 
Jewish persuasion person. That's right. how they say it, right? Yeah, it, oh, yeah you sound like you've... Uh, <laughs> An alien? You're living a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he... Well, he <laughs> pretended to be Jewish, like marry a woman or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Jewish man person ish, ish. thing. Yeah. <laughs> he emailed my mom uh, asking for my foreskin back. So from my email, obviously saying, hi, mom, tired of being a Jew. I want my foreskin back. <laughs> and she did not take it well. Really? Yeah. I explained to her what it was. I said it was for a podcast I do with my good friend Nick Capper. She said, what's a podcast? Oh, no. I said, suddenly there's an email chain back and forth. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's like radio, but no one listens to it. <laughs> She's like, thank God for that. Yeah, exactly. And then I said it was meant to be funny, and she said, not my cup of tea. Yeah. yeah. So that was pretty bad. That's the one that, that hurt. That really, really, how about you, Kat? What's the... Uh, there's a lot. Think about. There's a lot that Mike have has done to me. Um, probably, probably the mer- worst and probably got the quickest reaction was uh, Mike made me post about the Nanette. Uh, Nan- I, I posted Nanette. More like no, 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 thank you. Is <laughs> <laughs> this the height of when Nanette, yeah, yeah, the was, Netflix special was, was absolutely taking off? Nanette, it was the height of me too. Everything. And I thought it was fairly innocuous, you know, just a stupid play on words. Nanette, more like, no, no, thank you. But fuck, the debate that it... it just- yeah, people were just going at it in the comments. Yeah, he had some friend that was in support of being against it and then everyone went after that person, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so I've, got a, I've, I've got a good friend, he's a good mate of mine. He didn't get it, which is fine. Comedy is subjective. Um, <laughs> but he said to his partner, he goes, yeah, see, Cap is a comedian. He didn't even like Nanette. Oh, and no. then his partner's like, I bet it's for his stupid podcast. <laughs> and then he commented on it and then... Yeah, it was for my stupid podcast. <laughs> so, so he's one of my best mates, so I had to tell him, man, you've been had. Can <laughs> I he's... actually enjoyed it. Are you still friends? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, he's still good mates. He's oh, okay. just, as I said before, he's not a he's not an MRA guy or anything. He just didn't get it. You know, yeah, it sure. It's a show that is that is sometimes you're like, oh, my God, this is heavy. Yeah. You know, it, it is a heavy show. I mean, we've avoided huge controversy so far, but, um, you know, one day. One day. <laughs> Maybe it'll be my pie Instagram that really pie. takes yeah. off. The, our, our, our one that's probably got the biggest, um, yeah, the biggest traction is uh, the host of Big Brother, Mike Goldman. Mm. Uh, we got him to tweet that he, when they were knocking the Big Brother house down, <laughs> we got him to tweet that he goes, I love the Big Brother house. It made my career, but during a low point in my career, I had to actually sleep in it. <laughs> yeah, that he was squatting there when it was oh, no. abandoned. I think, yeah. uh, and did some media... Yeah, junkie, all these terrible blogs just ran with the story as truth, you know? And then even like some big podcast picked it up as, as, a, as a story that was legit. And Capper and I were actually cut out of the narrative that it was a hoax and just us bullshitting through Mike Goldman's phone when we recorded with him. <laughs> wow, so he didn't even get the credit for it. No, no, no. And then he ran with it because he hadn't been in the limelight in a while and said uh, then started uh, doing all these charities for homelessness. And, yeah. <laughs> Whoa. And then he's up there going, being, pretending that he was at one point homeless. Well, like he said it was... Uh, for a podcast where they prank your phone, right? But then eventually he just said, you know, was going on radio because people were calling him up and saying, what's the deal? And he was just kind of eventually leaving that out of the story and then saying he's doing this big charity fundraiser for homelessness and, you know, like it's a real issue in Australia. And he really used it to his advantage. (laughs) Yeah, right, but... Some good came from it as well. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Charity thing. So you guys are doing good work. Yeah. 
It was so good and people were sending us all kinds of stuff, you know, and then then it got burnt down, the Big Brother house, and then our our inboxes exploded again. <laughs> people were going, did you guys do this? <laughs> did you do it? <laughs> were you, were was you that part your of this? prank? Yeah, yeah. 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 We're really just arsonists. Yeah. Taking it to the next level. Yeah, we got some open mic comedian from Melbourne to burn down the Big Brother house. <laughs> and then his defence is, uh, it was for a podcast. Yeah, that's when he, he legit <laughs> blames us. He's yeah. like, yeah, it was Capra and Goldstein. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, this show is slightly less hardcore and we yeah. talk about books. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I always ask the guests if they're big readers or if they've ever been big readers at any point in their lives. Basically, because I started the show when I was younger, I did a lot of reading, dropped off, and this has forced me to get back into it. But, Mike, at any point or now, are you a reader? I was a, a big reader through um, high school and a bit in college and university, but dropped off probably in the past four or five years. I was reading a lot of biographies was probably the last phase I went through, autobiographies and biographies. And then um, since then, maybe one to two books every few months. Yeah, sure, sure. That's, no, that's not bad at all. Yeah. So I always have a book on the bedside table. I charge my phone in the other room because i having it in the bedroom. So we'll always read before bed. But that's basically it. Anything you're currently reading? Uh, actually, Andre Agassi's book. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. It's great. He's it's pretty he, hardcore, right? Yeah, yeah, he's had a crazy, crazy yeah. life. He was a right? lunatic. He was doing meth when he was playing, and he was like, he was wearing a wig the whole time yeah. he was on the court, and like he was terrified it was going to fly off. And um, <laughs> I think one of the opening lines is, "I hate tennis," and I'm a big tennis player, so it's just fascinating to right. open his autobiography that way. And um, he also like just totally shits on Brooke Shields so much, right? Like, so you. Yeah, his second wife, I think, Brooke Shields, and yeah, just what a mistake it was, and it's you know she was the worst. It was it's yeah, it's gossipy, and it was it's good. Yeah, it's great. So that one's there, and I also have a David Sedaris book that I've kind of started reading, but haven't really delved in. One of the newer ones, Calypso. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, and how about you, Cap? The uh, reading, the background, man, the reading. I've, you're into it. I've tried to uh, baby steps into reading back into because like yourself, man, I've always said, oh, I'm going to get back into reading. So uh, lately I got, I've decided to kind of go baby steps and go into like just heavy graphic novels. Yeah, sure, sure, great. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, so I love all the Grant uh, Grant Morrison ones, uh, th- those kind of guys who, uh, so I read uh, Swamp Thing, the last two novels of that, and then this uh, Superman All-Star, which I just finished, which I can fully guarantee. It's, it's a weird Superman. All-Star? Yeah. Is that where he sings Smash Mouth the whole time? <laughs> every, every every panelist is a different lyric. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's two graphic novels of that. <laughs> uh, it's a it's really cool. Like because you got Grant Morrison and who's the other guy? Neil uh, something. Uh, uh, Gaiman? No, not Neil Gaiman. Uh, some other guy. Anyway, they're the two weirdos of comic. Yeah, right. Whenever they write their comic books, you know they're going to be absolutely crazy. So uh, yeah, yeah, he he writes this really crazy one about the yeah Superman All Stars about Superman's gonna die. So basically, he's trying to he's got a bucket list of things he's got to do before he dies. Okay, yeah. all right. And Swamp Thing is really really weird as well. It's super weird. But I, uh, you do you do comedy festival shows and you're looking for new ways to tell a story. And uh, yeah, Swamp Thing and 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 this Superman All Star they're a great way of telling a story. You know, kind of interweaving stuff 
and it all means something. It's kind of like a collection of short stories because it originally had to re- be released as a separate comic book every week. Right. But then you realise it all links together. Kind of like a comedy festival. Great. Show. And you're going <laughs> to write a show about how you're going to die? Mm, yeah, maybe. No. <laughs> or, you live, or, you, or you live in a swamp. <laughs> that, yeah. Either or. Yeah, I don't live in a swamp anymore, which is cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. With your cantoed mom? <laughs> yeah. <okay>. yeah. <laughs> Well, the book that I've read uh, this month or this first half of the month, I've read uh, the John Steinbeck novel Cannery Row. Right. Mm. Have either of you heard of that before? No, uh, not Cannery Row. Obviously, I know Grapes of Wrath. That's right, Joseph. John Steinbeck, Grapes of Wrath. I've done Of Mice and Men previously on this podcast. Yep. And this, apart from Shakespeare, which I've done a few on here, this is the first returning author just because I enjoyed Mice and Men so much. Right. And I was at the airport and I was looking for a book to read and I grabbed uh, Cannery Row and had no idea what it was about. But I'm going to tell you all about it. Yeah? Yeah. So uh, Steinbeck, American author? Yes, well, American author. Yeah. Most of his novels are set in California. Depression yeah. era? Yeah, and this is another Depression era one. Yeah, so Grapes of Wrath is yeah. set in the Depression. And, and this one was published in 1945. Ooh. So it's after Of Mice and Men, possibly just before Grapes of Wrath. Okay. Grapes of Wrath is about like Civil War and stuff, is that correct? Uh, no, like it's more, slavery? it's like, uh, one that I actually haven't read it, but I think it is, yeah, people working through the Great Depression. What's, yeah. what, sorry, and what's Mice and Men about? Just quick. Uh, also, yeah, two travellers working. Drifters. Drif- yeah, drifting from farm to farm. And uh, one is, it's like a hulking. Yeah, a, a man dude. who's got the strength of three men. Yeah. Ah. But his intelligence has never developed beyond like a five or six year old. Oh right! Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's I loved it. That's yeah, so good. Yeah, I think what was the most recent movie of Mice and Men was that John Malkovich, Malkovich and Sinise. Gary yeah, Sinise. Gary Sinise directed it as yeah. well as yeah. That would have been nineties or something. Yeah, I think it's a mid nineties. Does that yeah. hold up? Have you seen that? I actually didn't. I haven't seen it. Okay. No. Yeah, but I'd be interested. I've heard that. So John Malkovich was playing the giant yeah. man. Yeah, with the underdeveloped brain, and Ooh. I hear that he committed. Oh. Some really? some say overcommitted. Lenny, right? Yeah, Lenny. That's right. Yeah, and he because did he actually kill a bunny rabbit? Is that a spoiler? Yes, he kills quite a few rabbits because yeah. he doesn't know his own strength. Yeah, but he likes soft animals. Oh, yeah, okay. One of those. Off. So, yeah. so uh, Malkovich was hitting his head against the wall while <laughs> killing a rabbit yeah. to get in character. <laughs> it's real method. Yeah. 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 Just killing he's, he's giving himself a lobotomy. Yeah. <laughs> so Cannery Row in between Steinbeck's big ones. Then. Yeah. So this would be like his lesser known. I mean, yeah, I've other, never heard of it. The other, the, so the big three of Mice and Men, uh, Gross Wrath and also East of Eden. Oh, huh. right. Which is a James Dean film. Okay. But this one, this one has been adapted into a film. I actually haven't seen it either. But uh, it doesn't exactly follow one single plot. The story is designed to give you the vibe of the place where it's set, Canary Row, which I'll tell you about. Okay. With many small snapshots and short stories given over many small chapters to paint an overall picture of an area. I didn't realise this until I was too far in. And I was like, how am I going to tell you guys about it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bit harder to give the plot like I usually would. But having said that, there is a one main recurring plot that broken up by these smaller snapshots that are like two pages long. So I'm going to tell you about this main plot mostly and then maybe give you a few other So it's short stories. stories basically with 
one interlinking thread. Yeah, so well, there's like a group of guys that the story follows, but yeah. then they live in this place called Cannery Row, and then you know there might be two chapters on them. Then chapter three might be like a completely different family living in that area, and you just get like a one day in their life type thing. Right. And then all we'll go back. Okay. It sort of jumps around a lot, and by the end of it, you're like, oh, I feel like I know that whole town. Okay. Oh, yeah, right. which is quite wow, cool. That's cool. Vignettes, if you yeah, will. Yeah, many, many vignettes. Uh-huh. Like this. What, oh, not yeah. like the Instagram filter where it makes the edges black? <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like a man who only reads Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll start with the opening line. The opening line of Cannery Row is, quote, Cannery Row in Monterey, California is a poem, a stink, a grating noise, a quality of light, a habit, a nostalgia, a dream. A stink is yeah. very uh, very strong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you smell it from there? <laughs> well, I love that description. So the book is set during the Great Depression, like many of his famous novels. And Cannery Row, so that's uh, Cannery Row. Yeah. R-O-W. It refers to the sardine canning district along the ocean in Monterey, California, mm. frequented and worked by very working class people. So there's not many wealthy people in this story. Right. And that same opening page describes the locals. I like this description as well. Quote, its inhabitants, as the man once said, whores, pimps, gamblers, and sons of bitches, by which he meant everybody. Had the man looked through another peephole, he might have said, said saints and angels and martyrs and holy men. And he would have meant the same thing. Oh, that's nice. It's weird that uh, there's a, like, whenever you have, like, you know, prostitution and gambling, it's always in, like, the struggling middle class. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Just like... Oh, yeah, Papa's got a raise. Oh, should I get a new kind of hovel to live in with the family? No, I'm just going to cheat on my wife as a prostitute <laughs> yeah. or do some gambling. <laughs> it's good to have a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got to do something with the time. It's a real patriarchal society, yeah. the old working class. Yeah. You know? I've been through the Monterey, uh, California area, and it, now it would be the complete opposite of that. Really, so it's quite a wealthy, quite wealthy, yeah, seaside, just very, uh, very affluent. So, right. Yeah. So if you'd bought in seventy years ago, you'd be laughing now. Yeah, exactly. I didn't notice a stink. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, when I was with himself. plenty of horrors. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, there you go. <laughs> Some things never change. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, let's meet some of these crazy cats. The people are pretty poor and life can be pretty hard on Cannery Row. Mm-hmm. This becomes immediately apparent when two suicides are described in the first few chapters of the book. So that sort of slaps you across the face. The first being a father of six who owed a lot of debt to a local grocer named Lee Chong. And to clear his debt, the father signed over a fish storage place around the corner and said, if, you, if I give you this, will you clear my debt? Lee Chong said, sure. They signed the document. As soon as he did that, the father went over to the fish storage and shot himself in the head inside the thing. Wow. A bit like, you own this now. <laughs> no, deal with uh, this. Yeah. <laughs> what? So he made the deal but then kills himself there regardless. Yeah. That's okay. That's well, pretty heavy. Like you think that maybe that would, you know, ruin Lee Chong's thing, but what if Lee Chong just goes, Oh, all right, just mop this up. <laughs> we got fish to. <laughs> I got fish to store. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is absolutely. We'll just put it like the river's right there. Let's just put him straight. Yeah. <laughs> or they just never clean it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always just a man in the middle of the room. Yeah. yeah. So they just put cement over him or something, or just cover him <laughs> in newspaper. <laughs> Well, Lee Chong, the owner of the grocery, is one of our uh, main recurring characters that I'll tell you about. He felt actually felt very bad about the man's suicide and looked after the ma- dead man's family ever since. 
Uh, in many ways, the grocery store is the lifeblood of Cannery Row, supplying the locals with clothes, food, tobacco, fishing equipment, machinery, boats, clothes, and most importantly, pork chops. Oh, wow. Ooh. But even more importantly, a very cheap whiskey that they refer to as old tennis shoes. Old tennis shoes. Mm. Sounds delicious. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon that would have a real sting. Yeah, that's where it's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pork chops, you know, classic seaside pork chops. That yeah, is that yeah. classic yeah. fish chips pork chops. <laughs> I wonder if the stench of the, the liquor comes from how many games they play. They're like, oh, this is a six game. <laughs> like, this is really got the old shoe. <laughs> the worse it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got a first set one. That's great. That's a nice one. Well, many people owed Lee Chong debts, but he was always fair about it and cut them off when they owed him too much. And no one knew where his wealth went. Perhaps everything was just in unpaid bills, so everyone owes him money, but he never has any cash. So eventually everyone just kills himself in <laughs> <at> his store. <laughs> he eventually owns the whole town and there's a dead body in every building. <laughs> and then they just build units over top of it. <laughs> it becomes a luxury place. Um but uh, he was tough-headed but soft-hearted and nevertheless uh, was very respected by the members of Cannery Row. Another landmark of Cannery Row to paint the town as the, it unfolds was uh, the Western Biological Laboratory, a marine lab and supply hub operated by another character named Doc. Now, Doc is a marine biologist studying and collecting animals from along the California He's a marine coast. biologist and his name is Doc. Doc. D-O-C-K. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit on the nose, Steinbeck. <laughs> Come on, mate. <laughs> Doc Barnacle. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I swear I didn't pick my own nickname. <laughs> I think you did. Yeah. I think you did. <laughs> and to quote the book, quote, you can get anything living from Western Biological and sooner or later you will get it. Uh, Doc was a curious man and was widely known as the smartest resident of Cannery Row, even though he's actually not a doctor. Okay. <laughs> fact, he's definitely not a doctor. They're like, oh, he's not putting stuff in cans. He's the smartest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was very popular, popular with the dogs and residents alike. Wow. Uh, he even introduced a bit of culture to the row, exposing the residents to classical music and literature. Which we go. like here. Uh, throughout the book, people feel like they owe Doc basically for just being good to the area. Like he's a step above everyone else. And it, it's, that's a recurring thing, people feeling like they owe him. Right. And finally, the opening chapters introduce us to Mac and his crew of unemployed men. Mac is a 48-year-old man described as, quote, the elder, leader, mentor, and to a small extent, exploiter of a little group of men who had in common no families, no money, and no ambitions beyond food, drink, and contentment. Right. Mm. So this is the big three. Lee Chong. Lee Chong. Doc. Mac and his married And his crew of, uh, yeah, he's a married man. <laughs> <laughs> Stealing from the rich and very much giving to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, these dudes just live uh, and hang out together. Whenever they have to, they work odd jobs here and there, but really they live a relaxed squatter's lifestyle. Right. And at the start of the book, they actually live in these old abandoned pipes. Oh, right. Like Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the original Ninja Turtles. Yeah, cowabunga, man. Okay. Uh, they noticed that Lee Chung's recently acquired this fish storage building where the man has killed himself. And Mac went and saw the grocer and proposed that Chong let Mac and the boys rent it from him and live there. And this is a tricky situation for Lee Chong as he knew Mac would never actually pay a cent in rent. But right. he knew that if he said no, eventually that mysteriously one day the building would probably be burnt down in retribution. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. So it was kind of like, mm, give it to them and 
and I don't get paid, but I keep the building, or they're going to burn it. Down. Yeah. Also, how how high are Max standards? Hey, <laughs> he's like, oh, a dude killed himself in there, but I suppose it's better than a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> no one's died of this pipe. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's got a roof and a yeah. toilet. Sick. <laughs> uh, Steinbeck not big on female characters. Yes. Th- there is uh, not many in this book at all. Right. And from um, memory, either Mice and Men or Mice and Men, there was one character and she is unnamed. Ah. Uh, yeah, an unnamed woman. Yep. The, basically the the wife of the bad guy in the story, but she's unnamed. Yeah, and th- very few in, in this book as well. It's almost as if he's a man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're right what you know. Yeah, <laughs> he knows how to be a man. <laughs> So Lee eventually agreed. He said, yep, you can rent there. And he was right about them never paying any rent. But they became loyal to Lee Chong and would help him out if he ever needed it. Mm. Uh, The boys moved in and for a time just slept on the floor of the concrete factory, which is still a step up from a pipe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But one day, one of them brought in a piece of furniture from outside and then it was on and it was a competition to see who could create the best sleeping area. So they started to pimp. Oh. Their, their quarters. All right. So that's so so that's the only way they wanted to get more comfortable was competition. Yeah, yeah. Like it that. wasn't just you out of sleeping on a floor. Yeah. <laughs> but one of them brings in a chair. They're like, oh, I could get a chair. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've never thought about that. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking ruin this dude, and I'm going to uh, get, a get the best sleep there ever was. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Blanket, la di da. Yeah, oh, all right, all right, mate. Yeah. As a joke, they uh, decided to name the building they slept in the Palace Flop House and Grill. All right, oh. that's I a think, funny joke. I think it's a good comedy <laughs> festival title. That the is Palace great. Flop House and Grill. Yeah, the grill is great. Just jokes in the depression. Pork chops. <laughs> jokes in the depression era. So great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone is so depressed that the bar is so low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything yeah. where you're not, <laughs> you're not killing yourself in a fish factory. Grill and Flophouse. You've well, done it again, man. So did they, did I miss that? Did they make the, their quarters nicer so they could make it a whorehouse? Is it a whorehouse? No, no, it's just a place where they can sleep and... So Flophouse isn't necessarily prostitutes. No, no. Okay. The, the Canary Road does have a whorehouse yep. and that is one of the, the few female characters in the story do come from there. But apart from that, rack my brain, I don't think we meet any other women. Mike, yeah. mm. a Flophouse would be a very unsuccessful <laughs> brothel. <laughs> now we're in the area of your expertise. Yeah. Hard house. Yeah. Would be the, better. Yeah. You know, you know, a flop house. Oh, you, yeah. You would not want to go to a flop house. Excuse me. Uh, I would like to get an erection, please. Uh, oh, you go to the brothel? Yeah. Do not go to the flop house. <laughs> You're only guaranteed to get flaccid. I love, <laughs> I love the idea of that's how you get a prostitute. Uh, one erection, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Dave said try to keep this <laughs> no, that's above fine. board. Yeah. It's an educational type podcast. <laughs> and then we just had to kind of dip our toes in anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's our own flavor. Still flop house. I was, thinking, I was thinking it the whole time. Yeah. I'm glad somebody finally said it. Yeah. Because well, flop house, so it just means a. Crappy uh, yeah, place to crash. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. To flop. Yeah. But they were, set, they were flopping. Yeah. <laughs> flopping and pork chopping. <laughs> <laughs> now we got a show title. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> flopping and pork chopping. <laughs> uh.
Uh, All right, so that's this, the basic setup of the story. And there's lots and lots of other characters that I won't go into, but they're the main main group. So Lee Chong at the grocery, Doc at the biological place, and then Mac and the boys at the flop and chop. Uh, one day, our story starts out, uh, Doc's out collecting marine life with the help of one of Mac's boys named Hazel. The reason he's named Hazel is a... This is traditionally a, a girl's name. It's because his mother had so many children. She had eight in seven years. She got confused and just named him Hazel and the name stuck. So the only real female character <laughs> is Hazel as a boy. His <laughs> <laughs> editor calls him Steinbeck. You need some diversity. That's <laughs> what's Hazel. We'll call one of the dudes a lady's name. Cool, done. You're a genius, Steinbeck. You've done it again, John. <laughs> And whilst Hazel was out with uh, with Doc, a man named Eddie came along and visited the boys at the flop house. Eddie is very popular with the gang because unlike most of them, he's got a job. He works as a fill-in at the local bar. Oh, so that's a okay. step above. And he's so popular because he supplies the others with alcohol. He steals liquor and people's unfinished drinks. He keeps a, uh, a funnel underneath the bar with a, a large jug. And if someone doesn't f- finish a drink, he would tip it into the jug. And then he would mix it all together. So beer, gin, wine. Oh, so you're getting backwash, <laughs> <Yeah>. mainly. <laughs> like oh. six litres of backwash at a time and he'll bring it round and they love it. Oh, the <laughs> flop some house is cracking. Yeah. You know what, I'll wash down this uh, pork chop. <laughs> some old backwash. Oh, God. So they were hanging out in the flop house getting drunk when the idea comes up that they should thank Doc for being a good dude and do something nice for him. They decide that they should throw him a party. The problem is that no one has any money, so they come up with a plan to let Doc hire them to collect frogs at five cents a piece, sell them back to Doc, and then use the profits to throw him a surprise party. That's the plan. So this is our main plot. This is the recurring plot. They want to throw a party. Basically, it could be a teen comedy trying to, like, throw a party for, like, the principal or something. Yeah. By by collecting frogs. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, this is cool. I like Steinbeck already. (laughs) Yeah, collecting frogs, selling them for five cents a Pop? Five cents a pop, yeah. That frog market must be <laughs> yeah. off the chain. The more frogs you collect, the more money you get. Yeah. I like it that the successful one is just a fill-in at a pub. <laughs> yeah, no, he's like the entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, Steals backwash. You work one once every month and yeah. steal backwash? Wow. Yeah, he's created this insane contraption <laughs> yeah. to funnel backwash. How did you think of that? <laughs> Where <laughs> do you get your ideas? This is Rube Goldberg-esque. Anytime yeah. he comes back from his one shift a week, they go, whoa, look at Bill Gates walking in here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's so flush. He's got like a buck. <laughs> he's got a one dollar note. Uh, then enter another character called Gay. <laughs> a bit more diversity. I don't oh, know. yeah. There you go. Steinbeck, we need some more diversity. <laughs> There's a gay guy. <laughs> and then they look into it. They're like, that's just his name. Yeah. We don't go into his background at all. <laughs> Steinbeck, what do you want from me? Yeah. <laughs> another one of the guys from the flop house, uh, he's a whiz with cars. And... Uh, Basically, they they float the idea that they'll go to Lee Chong and, and they ask him, hey, can we borrow your truck to go get these frogs? And Lee Chong says, the truck don't work. And they said, if we can get it working, can we borrow the truck? He says yes, thinking they won't be able to. But yeah. then Gay comes along and he gets the truck going. So they go off uh, on their journey. It's a, it's a bit of a fun getaway for a while. They've got two loaves of bread and Eddie's jug of liquor and that's all they need because they're going to steal everything else along the way. <laughs> All's going well until the truck breaks down and after not being able to get up a hill. So Gay, our resident mechanic, volunteers to go and get an extra carburetor, leaving the others waiting with the truck. 
But he gets picked up by a hitchhiker. One thing leads to another. He, suddenly he's at a party that gets out of control. He gets into a fight and then he gets arrested and jailed. And he, the, the others don't see him for oh, 180 days. Oh, wow. <laughs> All the top while they're just waiting next to the truck that's broken down. <laughs> They've got no idea what's going on. A, so does it read like wacky hijinks? Yeah, it is a bit like, and then this crazy thing happened. Yeah. yeah. And then and it'll just cut to another family doing something weird and then back to our main plot, yeah. Yeah. But eventually they're waiting alongside of the road and they get bored. So rather than ask where Gay is, they just go get Eddie to steal a carburetor from another car and then they keep going. And they yeah. basically, they mention Gay one more time. One person goes, where's Gay? And they say, oh, maybe he went back to his wife. Anyway, <laughs> That's it. he could have been murdered, he could have been kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. He could have been broken down somewhere else. They don't care. They are very, very... They don't uh, mention Gay until there's got to be another car fix. They're like, if only Gay was here. Yeah, I wish he was here. Anyway, I guess he's with his wife right now <laughs> or dead. Anyway, but it, they continue on. That night they have a feast where well, the main part of the meal is a rooster that they ran down in the truck. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I love this. I don't know if you've ever, like, <laughs> I, I, I've actually hit an animal in a car, not intentionally, uh, but like a kangaroo. Right. How? Because uh, they jump they jump across the road at home and and sometimes you've got to get out and finish them off. Right? Oh, well, this got yeah. dark. Yeah, I know, yeah. it's not good. So See, here's the, Capra's the Lenny of this situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, when do you say finish them off? What do you mean? Like. Get a, get a tire lever or a rock. Oh, thank God. Because sometimes yeah, I thought you take you them out at, at the legs. <laughs> I thought you meant like jerk it off. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking yeah, too. I'm like, is that something you're implying? <laughs> I'm you've really had, sorry about hitting you. You've had a hard time, Skippy, but <laughs> yeah. now it's time for one more, <laughs> one, one good time before yeah. you see the light. Go out on a good one. <laughs> I can, uh, there's only one way I can make this up to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're sorry for those people who thought this was an educational podcast. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, see, but roadkill is it's it's all it doesn't look like hitting a rooster chased down by a truck. There's not going to be much. Wouldn't be much meat thinking, left. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And between how many people? There's about uh, five or six of them on this trip. Oh, Wow. Yeah, and this is uh, chicken. you oh, want a lot of potatoes. Yeah. So they started the franchise Road Rooster. Because obviously in Australia we have the uh, takeaway chain Red Rooster. Yeah. yeah. I'd never heard that term before. Really? This rooster was described as a red rooster. All right. Oh. I've never seen it in any other context before. Outside of the fast food? Yeah. No. Obviously it comes from somewhere. Yeah. It's probably a cockerel. Cockerels are red usually. Oh, right. Yeah. And they said this is the biggest rooster they'd ever seen. Oh, well, that's probably why it fed four or five people. Yeah, yeah. How dare you doubt Steinbeck, <laughs> Mike? I didn't know it was a giant bird. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a it's mythical. It was like the size of a Were truck. Were they on Sesame Street? Yeah. <laughs> 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 they jerked it off before they Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I couldn't tell if he was loving it or hating it. <laughs> so they have a fire. Everything's going well. They're you know they're growing out a bit, but then a man and a dog appeared out of the darkness to tell them that they were on private land and they aren't allowed to light a fire or camp. Lucky, our leader and the most charismatic man of the of the group, Mac, stepped up and explained to the extremely standoffish man that they're very sorry and were unaware. Of these rules, and what they're doing there is collecting frogs for cancer research. 
Oh, well, that's a great. Yeah, I mean, oh, they thought of that just on the spot. You sound great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can't really argue with that. No. The man who they refer to as the captain was still suspicious of them until Mac noticed the man's dog was a bit sick. He offered to go care for the dog because he knows a lot about dogs and uh, and look after the dog until it was uh, cured from its wound because it had been bitten by a tick. This won the man over mm-hmm. and he was like, guys, you can actually come up to the house if you like. I've got a pond in front of the house that's full of frogs. They rib it all night. They keep me awake. If you want to come along and collect those, you're welcome to them. And they all have wow. cancer. <laughs> 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 and they're all like, cha-ching, jackpot. So they go up to the house, a bit more flattery. They win him over even more. He ends up offering Mac one of the pups from this sick dog's litter. And Mac's dog person is like, sure. So now they've got a free dog. He says, do you want to have a drink before you go frog hunting? Suddenly, they're not drinking a jug full of backwash. The captain's got the good stuff. He's got old whiskey that he's kept since the Prohibition era. So Captain Morgan? Yeah. <laughs> and this is the origin story of Captain Morgan. <laughs> They're like, why is the hat and the mustache? <laughs> and uh, so they all, they all get a bit loose together. Eventually they go and do their job of frog hunting and the captain wasn't lying. His pond was full of frogs and the boys catch most of them and it's a very successful trip. And, of course, you've got to celebrate your wins in life. Yeah. So they go back into Captain Morgan's place. They've got a bit more whiskey. Yeah. They trash his house and get even drunker. The captain passes out and when his place is absolutely trashed, his curtains are burnt for some reason. They burn down his curtain. <laughs> the boys leave with a puppy under one arm, the whiskey under the other, and they just leave the captain. <laughs> this is like a subplot from the movie Road Trip. Yeah, right? That's what I was thinking. It could yeah. be a teen, teen movie, Comedy, right? yeah. This is the best book ever. I don't want to listen to this podcast. I mean, I don't want to be part of it anymore. I want to read it. You want to read read this wacky, wacky adventure? Yeah, it's so cool. Uh, so stuff's going well for the boys, but then meanwhile we get a, uh, a bit of a an insight into the man that they're doing this for, Doc, the hero of the town. Yeah. He's not a, re- he's not a doctor but a researcher, but he had to step up while the boys were away, to act like a doctor because an influenza epidemic hit town and he's the only one with any education at all. So he's got to look after everyone. So yeah. he's a great guy. Yeah. That's what we're trying to say here. He's so a hard- Mac, Mac couldn't help because Mac only cares for dogs, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he's like, unless anyone's got a tick. Yeah, he's like <laughs> shoving just- <laughs> thermometers up them. But isn't... But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but dogs are marine biologists, yeah. right? So he's, like you said, he has no... He's got no qualification, but right. he's like... I know how to shuck an oyster. Yeah, yeah. He's like, all right, where's your blowhole? Yeah. <laughs> He's looking for it. Well, your problem is you don't have a blowhole. Yeah, exactly. This man has no gills. That's the problem. <laughs> how, how can you breathe underwater? I'm going to give this man gills. <laughs> but he's a hard worker, beloved man, but secretly a lonely man. Oh. He, he feels even lonelier when he can't find someone to help him with his latest expedition. All the men are out of town collecting frogs for the surprise party. <laughs> <laughs> and he, of course he doesn't know that the reason they're out of town is to collect frogs to fund his surprise party. So he just feels lonely of course, and a bit depressed. So he travels on alone, visiting diners and bars and drinking quite a lot on his own. And there's a weird scene where he has to think of an elaborate lie because he wants to try a beer milkshake. <laughs> oh, yeah, that classic thing. Yeah. Beer and milk. Well, that's milk. the thing. He, knows, he thinks this... This waitress is going to think it's weird if I ask for a beer milkshake. Yeah. And he remembers a time back in his life where he made another lie 
and uh, it made life a lot easier. So he thinks, I've got to come up with a lie. And his lie is, I have a bladder condition and this helps. And she goes, sure. And from then, from then on, he's just in on this big lie, drinking... <laughs> And he says, yeah, yeah, these, I've been drinking these for 18 years. Yeah. He's never had a beer milkshake in his life. It's a very strange backstory. For the beer milkshake. Yeah. Just order it. Just order Just, yeah, just own your... It's weirder to go, my bladder is... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. All now out you, of whack. Now, you said there were two suicides. What if Doc got so depressed <laughs> because everyone had left town to collect frogs? They come back and they got too many frogs. <laughs> He goes in debt, and has to sell his marine biology business to to Lee Chong. Lee Chong, and then he kills himself. It's only Lee Chong owns everything, and it's the night of his surprise party. <laughs> but he ODs on beer milkshakes, and then Lee Chong's like, "Not again!" In the warehouse, another suicide, oh, another sake. family. Of, oh, this this bloke was lonely. <laughs> Uh, well, so he he drinks his beer milkshake, he travels on a loan, he's lonely. He gets to where he's going to collect specimens. The morning went, went well for him and he collected a lot, but he spotted something weird underneath the seaweed he'd never seen before. He pulled the seaweed aside and he fa- found the dead body of a girl. Okay. So a female oh, character. This is no longer a wacky adventure. I know. This is a real U-turn for me as well and I was reading it. He was very shocked by the unexpected sight and went back to the shore where he saw a man and asked the... Local, ask the man where the local police station is. He then realises that he was too shocked to confront the body again. So he told the stranger where the body was and he told the stranger that he could collect, keep the bounty for himself. So I guess back in the day, if you found a body, you'd get a sweet reward. Okay. Which seems like a weird system to me. Yeah, because then yeah. you'd be generating your own body. Yeah, exactly. You could just be like, oh, another one. Five dollars, okay. Yeah. I'm so lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unlucky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the captain's like, I got a... I got a pond a hole full of humans. Yeah. <laughs> they keep me awake at night. You, you're welcome to it. <laughs> so that, that's just a weird subplot there. Meanwhile, Mac and the boys return back to town with the frogs in tow. They start planning the party. They're living like kings. They reckon they've got heaps of money for the party. But they've got frogs but no cash, so they couldn't buy anything yet. So they struck up a deal with Lee Chong from the grocery who took the frogs himself in exchange for store credit. And then Lee said, I'll sell the frogs back to Doc so you can spend the money for the party. They started buying supplies, getting food, drinks and decorations. They got a little carried away and nearly spent all of the credit straight away. Uh, Enter the barman, Eddie, who could also cook. So he was tasked with making Doc a nice cake. Okay. Everything's going well. The barman. You're like, oh, he's good at pouring a beer. And <laughs> yeah, he's the only one who's ever, a sausage. ever worked in, in hospitality <laughs> once a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, what's a cake? They're like, it's sugar and you cook the sugar. He's like, cool, done. He's <laughs> 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 pouring, pouring everything through a funnel and hoping that it works. And there's yeah. flour involved. It's like. Like, <laughs> it would just be leftovers, people, that he's just mushed together, you know, like his backwash system. Now he's just mushed this crumb cake together. It's like bread that's kind of sweet. It's <laughs> a loaf of bread yeah. with a candle in the They're top. Like, Eddie, you've done it again. <laughs> <laughs> so everything's going well. They went over to Western Biological, Doc's lab to set up for the party and even uh, got Lee Chong to drop off the frogs so they can impress Doc when they got home and be like, look how many we got. Yeah. But Doc didn't get home as expected. The party went ahead anyway, and it was an absolute disaster. The dog that dog that us uh, that Mac adopted, now named Darling, ate a lot of the cake. 
Everybody got really drunk. Things got out of hand. A big fight broke out and the lab was absolutely trashed. And oh. man, <laughs> including when a man fell into the crate of frogs and they all escaped. <laughs> I did not expect this book to be so frog-based. <laughs> <laughs> that might be my last mention of frogs. That I get, I get on the frog. All right. <laughs> Docker didn't get home in, until the morning, and when he did, he discovered his home and place of business to completely to be completely ruined, and the frogs gone. Remember, this was supposed to be a party to thank him. Oh yeah, and he doesn't know he's come home and like you've just ruined my business. <laughs> he no. goes first to see a dead girl, <laughs> give away the bounty. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I should have got that bounty. Mac uh, came over to talk to Doc who, quote, his eyes shone with red animal rage and his small hard fist whipped out and splashed against Mac's mouth. So he punched him in the face. Okay. Mac admitted, I had the punch coming. It's cool. So he just <laughs> took it like a champ. <laughs> After this, they had a bit of a DNM uh, with Mac apologising profusely and he's sad that he seems to stuff up everything in his life. It's a bit of a sad, sad moment in the book. Mac even reveals to Doc for the first time that he once had a wife and when Doc asks what happened to her, Mac admits he doesn't know. She just went away. <laughs> what? I, I had what? her in a crate and someone <laughs> fell on, on the crate. <laughs> she just ran away. <laughs> then she escaped and ate half the cake. Yeah. Is she the dead body? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very weird, weird scenario. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's like your wallet or something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, God, what happened to that? What happened to that lucky red T-shirt? Yeah, yeah. I just lost it, I guess. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they're like, what about Gay? What happened to him? I don't know. He just went away. I ran off with her. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> hey, book cheaters. Dave here to tell you that this week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. Now, if you're not an Audible member like me, let me tell you that Audible members now get more than ever before. Members choose three titles every month, one audiobook plus two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. You also have unlimited access to more than 100 audio-guided fitness and meditation programs. And you can also now get free access to the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post delivered daily to the app. Basically, you pick an audiobook on there, you listen to it, and if you don't like it, Audible offers free and easy audiobook exchanges, so you only get stuff that you like. Now, as I said at the start there, I am an Audible member. I have been for many months now and I get my audiobook every single month. And what I'm listening to this month is not a classic, but I think that one day it may become a comedy classic. And that is English comedian James Acaster's 2017 book, Classic Scrapes. If you don't know James Acaster, I think he's one of the funniest stand-up comedians on the planet now. And a couple of years ago, he wrote a biography of sorts where he wrote about classic scrapes that he's genuinely gotten into. And now you can hear James read James' stories. And I think that's the funniest way to consume his comedy. So if you're looking for a free audiobook to try with your trial, that's my suggestion this month. James Acaster's Classic Scrapes. So if you want to start listening with a 30-day Audible trial and get your first audiobook and two Audible originals free, just visit audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. One more time, audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. Thanks, Audible. Now back to the show. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So that's that's the main plot line. We'll take a break from the main story that runs through the novel because it's interrupted by short chapters and scenes from people in and around in and around Cannery Row. So your place your knowledge of the place slowly builds in your mind. So I'll, I'll give you a couple of those now just so you meet a couple of other people, just summing, summing them up in like one or two sentence bites. There's a story of an old couple who take up residence in an old abandoned boiler maker. There's a giant boiler maker from a factory and uh, they bicker over curtains even though, even though their home has no windows. Okay. So there's little weird stories like this. There's Josh Billings, a writer whose death is recalled. The town only discovered that the undertaker wasn't embalming bodies properly when a little dog was caught playing with Josh Billings' intestine. He's <laughs> running down the street with it. People are like, where did he get that? <laughs> They're like, hang on. hang on. I know that intestine. Yeah. That's Josh Billings' intestine. <laughs> I know that anyway. It turns out the under, undertaker was removing organs of the bodies during embalming, but instead of putting them back, he was just leaving them in a ditch. Oh, like real a, pro. Just a, a pile of guts <laughs> and a dog came along. <laughs> and the final one of these many stories I'll mention is that um, there was a man going for the world record for longest time standing on a flagpole. Okay. Oh, right. Just up, up there and a man asked him, the whole town's been wondering, how do you go to the can up there? The skater, skater tells him, I have a can up here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, and, uh, I think, yeah, the, the source of the stink, though, could be anything. We got the intestines strewn about town. Yeah. Got a dead body somewhere. Dead bodies rotting that people aren't cleaning up. <laughs> Man pissing in a can and then presumably tipping it out. Like, yeah. Does that make it any better? Like, no. if the urine comes not from the source but from a can minutes after coming from the source. <laughs> is that any better? Yeah, why yeah. is the can is the worst middleman of yeah, all time? It's still warm. <laughs> hey, if you're going to piss, make sure you can that piss for. Yeah. Come on. That's the can in Cannery Row. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was the can. So there's like probably about a dozen of these little mini stories that, yeah, they're like two, one, two, three pages. And do the other characters come in and out of these stories or? Very vague. It's just like, like this yeah, is all in the same area. Yeah, and they'll mention them like they'll go into Lee Chong's grocery yeah, and there's Lee Chong standing there. So they, it's implied that they all know each other. Right. It's not, they don't cross too much. And then other times you it'll put it into time context. It's a bit Tarantino-esque. Like, you know, it'll be, oh, he walked in on this and you're like, oh, that must have been when. Before yeah. this incident had happened, yeah. Ah. So it's ah, so it's kind of like yeah, like pulp fiction. Yeah, and you sort of like piece yeah. it together in your own mind. Is this written in the omniscient narrator type or yeah, okay. yeah? Sorry, so it's basically it's as not shifting perspective. No, it's a man telling a story, and he says, "I'm going to let these stories unfold." Yeah, a bit, and I think he actually says, "Like a smell." Oh wow! Just I'll let it cons- like you know pour out. Okay. And let it waft over the reader. Type right. Thing. Yeah. So it's not shifting like a Rashomon style. No, no. It's more like yeah, it just cuts to, but it's always in the same voice of. Okay. A narrator that we I we, I've, I assumed was John Steinbeck, but yeah, could be anyone. Yeah. Could be you. I, could I, be me. <laughs> Trust it. After hearing all these wacky stories, I was always kind of the guy whenever I got a job or something. 
I felt like I'd met the guy who was telling all these stories. Like they go, oh, back in the old days, it was really nuts around here. You know, it was the craziest adventures ever. <laughs> and I was like, why did I, can't I just come in during the, <laughs> the crazy adventures? Yeah, yeah. But not now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been boring around here for about three or four months now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm kind of like that with comedy. Like, because, you know, the old, when I first moved to Melbourne, the stand-up rooms would be all these big parties afterwards there. And now everyone kind of like has a water and or <laughs> yeah. tries to give you their drink token or whatever and you're like, oh, but two or three years ago this yeah, was you're nuts. T- you're telling uh, them and they're like, wow. Uh, oh, you couldn't get enough free drinks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, tell you that. Everyone was trying to get tokens and yeah, it was a real nutcase. We'd be out till four in the morning and then I'd pull myself halfway through and I'm like, oh, I'm one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> you're that guy. <laughs> I'm Steinbeck. <laughs> But uh, back to our main plot here. So Mac and the boys are pretty down after their disastrous party that they <laughs> attempted to throw the dog. I love. I didn't like Mac and the boys at first. Seemed like heavies, thugs, losers. But they got a bit of compassion now. Yeah, they do. That's what I kind of like about John Steinbeck in my experience so far, which is this and of Mice and Men. They're these characters that are pretty down on their luck, living through the depression. It's a pretty tough life. I'd be really struggling to survive. Yeah. But there's always a few characters that are quite. Positive, yeah, and upbeat. Yeah. Like it's going to get better. It's gonna, even if they're using that to sort of talk themselves around, yeah, yeah, try and yeah. stay positive, even if they don't believe it. Yeah, they're always like, "No, we've got to keep going. We've got to keep going." So yeah, it's quite yeah. nice. It's not no one is too depressed until it all goes wrong and you shoot yourself in the yeah fish factory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. well, just the general context of the time period is bleak. Yeah, super bleak. So if it was as Grim as, you know, like I seem to remember Grapes of Wrath being very grim. It's been forever since I've read it. And of Mice and Men. But without these optimistic characters, it would just be a hard Yeah, it's just a slog, yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, hopefully it's not too far off track, but I was watching this uh, documentary on iodine salt the other day. Like, you know, you know how people have those salt lamps and then puts, what is it? Negative ions. Sorry, oh right, sure, not sure. Iodine. Oh, yeah, I was thinking. Yeah. Why are we talking about goiters? <laughs> yeah, apparently neg- no, negative. Hopefully, ions. this is too far off. Track, so they did put iodine yeah. in salt, so that does make sense. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, the Himalayan o- pink salt. Him- Himalayan, yeah, Himalayan salt lamps. Yeah. And the guys like, oh, do these really work? And they said, you know, and they they did a test, like ne- like negative ions make you feel good, positive ions don't make you feel that good. And they did a study of people. They put negative ions in the room. And negative ions did actually make people feel a lot better, um, and mo- and mostly you feel positive ions, or there's not many ions in a city, so the more right. built up, the less. And that must have been linked to the depression a little bit, because you're always in these industrial areas. There wasn't much gardens or bush or whatever. It was all grey. Yeah, there was awful. just like no ions. <laughs> <laughs> So we, if we went back in time, we could cure the Great Depression. With ions, with, positive with, ions. With some Himalayan salt lamps. Yeah, salt lamps. That's all they needed. <laughs> I remember when I went to Brazil, <laughs> it's just there's always like, you know, it's, it's, the temperature's so good, it's always like around 40, you know, and I was like, these people are all so happy. I'm like, oh, it's ion heavy here. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but if you see a happy person now, you're like, God, If you live in a boiler maker, yeah. <laughs> the ion, not going to be too many ions <laughs> going on there. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. We're it's kind of on track. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mac and the boys are feeling low in yeah. ions. The whole town has basically blamed them for wrecking Doc's place. Everyone loves Doc, so they're not in good step with people. 
And when things go bad in Cannery Row, they tend to go really bad. And of course, that's what happened. Mac and the gang were already down and out. And then their adopted dog, Darling, got quite sick. Unsure what to do, they turned to Doc for help because Mac couldn't cure the dog this time. And despite still being super annoyed at them for the party, he helped the dog get better. And it's sort of like a, a step towards rekindling oh, the right. friendship. Of course. Mending the bridge. Have, yeah. That cake must have been terrible. <laughs> the dog was the only one that ate it. It's beard, gin and wine mixed together and flour. Guys, I told you I'm not a chef. I thought cakes were made out of seaweed. Yeah. <laughs> Quick, get me a beer milkshake. What <laughs> <laughs> Billy Barry's intestine was in it or something. I feel, like, I feel like a beer milkshake is something that I would try if I didn't have to pay for it because it would be like, what, $14, $15 or something. Yeah. Because you get a get milkshake or a, not cheap and then a beer yeah. together. But I want to taste it. But I don't think I'd like it enough to drink the whole thing. Does that make sense? No. I, I think it would be... And we t- like American milkshake is, is a like, thick shake here, right? So it's right. a ton of ice cream. And it just seems like the worst mix because doesn't the alcohol curdle the... Oh, okay. Dairy? Yeah, it would just be... I mean, have a vodka peanut butter while you're at <laughs> yeah, it. Okay. This isn't a, this isn't a paid <laughs> presentation, but I had a milkshake IPA, a strawberry milkshake IPA from Three Ravens yesterday, and it was bloody good. How did you have it? Like, was it in a pre-packaged? No, it's just a – so what they do now is they'll make a beer and then they'll just give it a flavour. They'll go, like, strawberry milkshake. It actually tastes a fair bit like a strawberry milkshake, but it still tastes like beer. Like, I had this lamington-flavoured beer the other day and it was like drinking a lamington. i got to get that. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, not too sweet? The Sweetly beers. No, not that sweet. Uh, probably a bit – Sweet. You, you could probably only have one. I, I don't know if I'd have a full pint. Yeah. I just had a pot to just try it out and it was bloody good. I love it. It's yeah. just marketed to children, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this this cake-flavoured booze, you fat little freak. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird because now, uh, now you have dorks about everything. You're like, beer. Now they're just like, oh, yeah, well, let's, let's make it for dorks. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, for the, sure. The internet has given... Everyone's an expert on everything. Like back in our dad's day or whatever, you just drank to his new or Forex. That was it. Yeah, dad wasn't <laughs> yeah. having a milkshake beer. Yeah. You, couldn't, you couldn't have a dork about that yeah. kind of beer. You'd be like, oh, this Forex tastes yeah. kind of good. They're like, no, shut up, man. <laughs> yeah, the only people drinking beer back then with a milkshake were people with bladder problems. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You need that weird, explanation. Weird excuse. <laughs> And he's like, the reason I'm having uh, the maple syrup today is she's like, I don't care. Yeah, nothing. Please. Yeah. What, what about that? Yeah, the waitress, she's like, uh, this. I met, met the biggest wacko the other day. He, he uh, came and asked for a beer milkshake and came back in and said he'd found a dead girl. <laughs> <laughs> I assume he killed her. And then he didn't want the bounty. Oh, God. So many wackos. Is that the reveal at the end? He's a serial killer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That was the clue. That's when the reader should know. So Doc fixes the dog. And after this, the boys feel like they owe Doc even more. So they started brainstorming again. And this time they came up with a radical new plan. They'll throw Doc a party. Uh, (laughs) One that he can actually attend this time. So they're going to reinvent the wheel? Yeah, because they're like, our problem last time was that Doc wasn't actually there at his party. Next time... (laughs) We'll make it so Doc can go there. <laughs> Is it another frog-based barter yeah. system? <laughs> well, they, all, they love the idea and they get to work on Party 2.0. Yeah. 
Hazel, one of the guys that suggested they throw a party for Doc's birthday. Sorry. He suggests that they also throw the party for Doc's birthday, which they also love the idea of. Now there's a reason for the party. But they didn't know when Doc's B-Day was, so Mac went around to ask him about it. Doc is very suspicious that Mac out of nowhere is like, so uh, (laughs) when you're born. (laughs) So uh, he gives Mac a fake birthday. Right. And then he later hears rumours of the party and he puts two and two together and realises why Mac was asking about the birthday and then realises, all right, I'm getting a fake birthday. (laughs) I'm getting a fake birthday party. (laughs) So he just made up a day and said it's his birthday. Yeah. Doc's been dealt a real shit hand (laughs) considering how how nice he is. (laughs) He's going to have a fake birthday. Fake birthday. A party he doesn't want. Yeah. He's treating everyone for flu. Yeah. (laughs) And then he's... House was trashed at the last party. <laughs> and any time before the party, he's made to leave town. Yeah, so yeah. he's just alone. <laughs> uh, but the residents of the row are all invited. They get very excited for the party and they uh, started to buy Doc gifts. Gifts they can find or afford, so they're pretty bad stuff. Yeah. But Cans. Yeah. <laughs> can. It's like someone steals him a car part. Uh, like, right. Doc will love this. <laughs> Meanwhile, Doc also heard about the party and this time he prepared by hiding his valuables <laughs> <laughs> and buying the party food that he, sh- that he assumed Mac and the gang would be too stupid to buy. Oh, wow. So this is... Um, what Did it ever say the actual age difference between Doc and the crew, Mac and the boys? Well, Mac is 46 or 48 years old, oh, so he's right. not like a kid. Okay. Yeah. Because it's seemingly how they've been acting through the whole yeah, time. Yeah, like that he's a child. Yeah. No, but Mac is one of those dorks that that preys upon the young. I love the you thought know, of you know, depression <laughs> era dorks. <laughs> you know, you just see like a group of no hopers, but then they've got their king who is an older guy. Just yeah, going, hey, how's, are, how's it going? A lot of them, like Hazel, especially, yeah. he's like a lot younger, and he's just hanging around with these older dudes. Mm. Well, especially Mac, and he's the leader, so he's a bit one of those older guys <laughs> trying to stay young. Yeah, my. Uh, my girlfriend's brother, he's only like 21 or something and he lives on the Gold Coast and they they had like the the bad boys of something drive or something, this cul-de-sac <laughs> he lived on and it was just these older guys leeching money off. You know, they'd go, oh, come around for a party, man, and he'd take his 21-year-old friends around. They're all pretty good looking, you know, and they go, pay 20 bucks and you're in the club, you know, and they, they join this club and then they'd save up for a big boys trip at the end of the year or something. But then they would just take them out to the pub later on. And, the, of course, all the kind of middle-aged women and stuff would go for the younger boys, like, you know, my girlfriend's brother and his mates. And then the older guys would zoom in and and, <laughs> and they would take them because <laughs> the young... Yeah. <laughs> it's like a crazy, yeah, so, like and, a cult. And yeah. my, my girlfriend was trying to warn him off it. She's like, it sucks. Like these, these guys are just a bunch of old losers that are taking advantage of you guys. So he's like, no, they're really cool guys. You know, <laughs> They still live in a share house at like 40, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, that it is turned a, out it was a scam. <laughs> <laughs> that is Mac in the situation. <laughs> yeah, that's Mac. <laughs> he's scamming. Scamming for a boy's trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no party. No. <laughs> you live in a warehouse, you sleep on a floor. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason you're comfortable is because of your competitive streak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing that saved saved their back. (laughs) But they're taking the party very, very seriously. And to show this, Mac and the boys, they have baths 
which is something they never do. They would never have a bath. They rarely wash. But the whole town is a buzz. The sex workers at Dora's brothel. That's the recurring uh, only recurring female character, Dora, who's uh, very tough but fair um, from the brothel. All her um, workers worked out mini shifts so, so they could cover each other to make sure everyone has at least some time at the party because everyone wants to go there. And the party's on. It was a big success. Started out slow, but soonly most of the uh, Cannery Row had arrived, bringing gifts for the beloved Doc. Everyone's there. Everyone's car there. Hanging out. Yeah. He's getting stolen car parts. Everyone's kids. Yeah. The, the the dog with the intestine. All oh, right. The guy off the flagpole. Pissing in the piss can. can. Yeah. <laughs> oh, piss can showed up. They're all there. <laughs> the characters that we've met and. Grown to Someone love. brought the dead girl along, <laughs> yeah. like Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> dog, dog has a heart attack because he's the one that discovered the body. <laughs> She's a, like a marionette. Or yeah. <laughs> well, Doc knows how to get the party started, of course. And what he does is read a long melancholy poem at the climax of the party, which causes the group to reflect on their own memories. <laughs> Great stuff. Great party. Yeah. Max says, quote, Jesus, that's pretty. Reminds me of a dame. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's uh, Doc's love shack. Yeah. <laughs> it's him reading a melancholy poem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, but just as it looked like the party was over after this very sad poem, uh, enrolled in a, a group of young uh, men thinking that this was a brothel. And when they say, well, there's women here somewhere, of course a, a brawl breaks out. And... Um, and I'd say it's a small brawl I've written here, but people bring out baseball bats, all sorts of oh. stuff. It's described as a great fight. Like they have a good time punching on. And once the men were dealt with, these intruders, these gate crashes, everyone was in a good mood again. <laughs> the police came because of the fight, but rather than arrest anyone, they joined in on the party. Oh, I thought you were going to say in on the fight. <laughs> no, they, they, they started <laughs> kicking the asses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, have, you having a party? Do you want to get in the squad car to get more wine? Like they do, like a drinks run in the, in the cop car. Oh, great! It so, is. This is teen comedy because that's like yeah. the cops in yes, super bad. Yeah, Seth Rogen rocks up. Yeah. It's like, what do you guys want? Yeah, they start doing burnouts. Yeah, totally. <laughs> this is a teen comedy. You know, uh, you're not doing a good job of bringing the party up when a <laughs> when a fight does better than your poem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly, the fight saves the yeah, night. Yeah, it, it saves the party. <laughs> <laughs> I've never put Doc on the decks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Uh, the final chapter is centered around Doc waking up after the party the next day. Quote, Doc awakened slowly and clumsily, like a fat man getting out of a swimming pool. <laughs> There's some beautiful language from Star Trek. Yeah, that is here. great, yeah. Uh, Doc's house was again trashed, but this time he was content. Basically, because he was actually at the party, not just <laughs> yeah. turning up <laughs> and cleaning up a party. <laughs> Uh, as he was cleaning up, he remembered parts of the poem from the night before, saying it aloud to himself. He remembers it off by heart. There's about eight verses. I will read about half of them, okay. half of one to give you the, half of one. This is how he thought he'd uh, g up his party. Yeah. Even now, I know that I have savored the hot taste of life, lifting green cups and gold at the great feast, just for a small and forgotten time. Reminds me of a dame. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. Reminds me of a dame. <laughs> he stared at the car part I think, that he had given to him. <laughs> I think what had really happened there was that um, Mac had drifted off out of boredom and started thinking about women again. Oh, yeah. Reminds me of a dame. <laughs> oh, the, the final line, 
Sorry. <laughs> that was so beautiful it killed Kappa. <laughs> I got hay fever from yeah. the beauty. Yeah, it reminded me of a time I had hay fever with a dame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the final line follows Doc's poem and it's his reaction to the animals around him because he's surrounded by animals in the lab. Quote, he wiped his eyes with the back of his hand and the white rats scampered and scrambled in their cages and behind the glass the rattlesnake lay still and stared into space with their dusty, frowning eyes. End quote. An end book. Ooh, final line. Some yeah. imagery. Yeah, so it's a bit like Doc, we've known him as this hero to these people, but he's been lonely, but now these people have finally been able to show their affection to him and he feels oh. a bit more whole. Okay. And that's the story. Where? And thoughts. And I don't know what are you, what are your what are your immediate reaction thoughts? Well, I mean Steinbeck was big on metaphors and imagery. Yeah, and lots. There's lots and lots of uh, nature described. Yeah. I remember the first uh, whole page of uh, of Mice and Men is describing uh, this river and how the how snakes yeah. go along it, all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot more of that in here. Yeah, he really does. Believe like it or not, the second volume of Swamp Thing, they do a lot of that <laughs> really? stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, to be honest, it is. It's, it's like, a lot of swamp. <laughs> He's not mucking around. It's, it's like uh, the, it's all based on the Mississippi. Right. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. The Mississippi. But, man, I think this sounds like a really good book because I, you know, we all work in comedy and stuff and what I love is information uh, like that is really, that really takes a lot of creativity like catching the frogs, you know, they he could have Steinbeck could have gone, oh yeah, cool. Uh, they've got to get the money some other way. They all work boring, like catching frogs, uh, finding a dog. Like you know, they've got to make it up to the uh, to the captain. Yeah, sure, sure. So rather than you know win him over with something else, they win him over by you know getting a tick from the dog, and it's just great. Like that all takes such like his creative muscle must be. Nuts. And, and I actually don't know too much about him as a man, but and his life backstory. But he has either he puts his own life experience into it, or he does incredible research because yeah. he describes Doc and all the animals that he collects, all his different marine life, and he describes what's in different tanks and how you would Very collect it. Intricate detail, yeah, so intricate. And then he, when he describes Gay fixing the car, yeah. he goes into extreme detail about like the, how the car, the engine works, stuff like that. Really? Kappa, you would love that section. Yeah, I would you love would that section. Love, yeah. love the end. But so much so that you're like, I mean, did you look into that? Or was yeah. he a car dude? Or yeah. Do you find yourself skimming those sections or were you reading every word? Like- I'm try- I am I definitely imagined more of the marine life than yeah. the car stuff. <laughs> right. Not being too au fait with how an engine works. Yeah. Do you, do you guys skim? Some, I remember I, I'm a, I, I used to read a lot of Hemingway and uh, I loved the books, really loved them. But sometimes conversations would be, hello, how are you? <laughs> right. Good. I'm great. Yeah. What are you doing today, my lovely? There were like oh, one guy much. talking about ions for five minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's if, if Hemingway wrote about ions, I'd be fully in. <laughs> so would you just skip sections? I, went, would, would I it, wouldn't skip them, but I would just be kind of like... Would it catch up with you later yeah. and you're like, hang on, who the hell's that? Yeah, and you got to uh, double back. I hate that. Yeah, the worst. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, it's like, with this, I mean, you'd have to tell me, is there some overarching theme? Do Mac and the boys represent the working class and Doc is meant to be, I don't know, whatever, the proletariat I, you know, or something? It definitely is like, you know, sort of themes of like mateship. Yeah. Yeah. 
sort of coming together in hard times. Yeah, masculinity yeah. in a time when everyone's disenfranchised. Yeah, totally. See, I know my shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, let's, let's put that on a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Quote Mike Goldstein. Flop yeah. house pork chop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Flop your pork chop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's definitely yeah themes of that. and In great movies and stuff or great books like this one, there is always some weird stuff though like just finding the dead girl or yeah know, like, I, w- I thought that that more would come from that but yeah, was the, yeah. the piss can guy was meant to be comic relief yes yeah, so there are a few things that are comic relief yeah especially those extra little stories where oh yeah no, yeah okay. we just yeah like um people fighting over curtains in a windowless home that's yeah. great just little things Love like that. that little scenes that's almost rolled doll esque yeah it's like yeah. so ridiculous yeah yeah and the uh, the beer milkshake thing is great as well. Like, yeah, just things like really funny extra like detail that, that you just wouldn't think to put in there. But yeah, no, and it's very easy to read, which I liked. Oh, yeah, that's good. Well, there you go, mate. So at the end, I always get the guests and myself to rate it out of five. Okay. Did, All right. Did this story appeal to you, or I mean, I don't think I would feel the need to read it now. Sure, you know? sure, sure. Like. I feel like you did a pretty pretty good job. Thank you. you know. Appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. A lot of a uh, lot of detail in the uh, the poem. You know, I'm just thinking about dames now. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like we're dames. Dame yeah. Um, I don't. So my rating out of five. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, you can go with whatever you you feel. If you disliked it, or if you thought it was average, or you thought it was great. So I'm just rating your summary, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So based on this, based on what you've heard here today. Yeah. Do you think it sounds like a classic? No. I'd say there's a reason this is his lesser-known work. Yeah, sure. And I'd say maybe a three. Three out of five? No, that's absolutely fine. You can yeah. go with that. Goldstein's going with three out of five. Cap dog. I reckon this sounds great. It sounds so good. Like, yeah, as I said before, the creative muscle and stuff. I th- I thought probably one downside would have been if he kept describing all the things in detail like the – you know, even though I do like cars and stuff, it would be boring to me. Like, why are you describing this? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. also Some sometimes things like the dead girl and it doesn't apply to anything because like, you know that the uh, the flagpole thing, oh, yeah, it's cool, it's funny, it's a weird little tack-on bit or whatever, but then other bits you're like, why is that in there? That annoys me. Um, but I think overall, yeah, I'd, I, man, I, w- I want to read this. I'd give it four and a half. Four and a half. Oh, yeah. right. Cap's giving it four and a half out of five. Um, I would give it a four out of five. Okay. Yeah. Four out of five. I enjoyed yeah. it. Um, I was always waiting for more tragedy than it had, basically because I've been doing this a year now and nearly all the classics end in someone dying. Yeah. And it was kind of refreshing that they – pretty much a happy ending. Yeah. 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 They pulled off the party – but it's it's cool how it's kind of open ended as well. Like the uh, the boys don't go off and all get careers or whatever. Yeah, so it's not it's too much just, of a happy ending. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You're still like love that. What happens to these guys? And I believe Steinbeck actually visited these characters again about fifteen years later in another short novel. Oh right. So I would be interested to follow up on that to see. Yeah, what did happen to the guys? Road trip two. Yeah, road trip two. <laughs> <laughs> this time it's personal. Yeah. But the main arc is just Doc learning. To be, I don't know, they're the town learning to appreciate Doc. Right? Yeah, or yeah. him 
understanding that they do appreciate him. Yeah. Because it, it's because he's sort of revered in the town, but he doesn't seem to get that, or he just seems lonely. Right. And it's not, and I guess the party is a good way, even though it costs him his place being trashed the first time. So he's kind of like the king of fools, in a way, a little bit. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool! It's so cool. I love, I love uh, anything that yeah. F- once again, flexes that creative muscle. Creative, and it is. A, it's a cool way of telling a story with a, a yeah. plot line going through, but then having these little th- yeah, 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 yeah. little refreshes every now and then to you know build your interest. World. Well, yeah. yeah, and just those weird little vignettes. Yeah, like, and they're fun. Like you know, they could just be short stories on their own. It doesn't even have to be from this town. Yeah, yeah, just cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Before we go, uh, very quickly, people support this show on uh, Patreon. Okay. okay. As well as uh, my other show, Do Go On, which is this is a spin-off from. Ooh. And people on Patreon allowed Matt and I to create spin-off shows. He does Primates and uh, I do Book Cheat. And one of the rewards is people tell me their favourite book. And I read it out on the show and then we get to judge their choices. Okay, great, man. Yeah. So I've got th- three here. Sometimes we've heard of the books. Other times they're a bit more obscure. Right. So people okay. tell me why they're their favourite. Do you mind... No, go for it. If I go through three of these now. So our first one is from uh, Nesta Giharo, a man that I've met. He's from California. Okay. And he, he came out to one of our Do Go On shows last year. He flew all the way from California <laughs> to hang out oh, at our good. show. We met him and I took him out for a pie afterwards. He'd oh. never had a, an Aussie meat pie before, so that was cool. So great to have you supporting the show still, Nesta, who told me my favourite book is Hatchet by Gary Paulson. You heard of this? I have not. He said, I read it in year three and it blew my mind. Spoilers, oh. it's about a 13-year-old kid whose plane crash or crash lands in a forest and it's about how he survives through his resourcefulness. Wait, maybe I read this because in American Hatchet? schools it does sound vaguely familiar. Yeah. I also think that it If there's like- long passages of him like having horrific mosquito bites, then that's... This like, is the one? Yeah, I think that's the one. It's a 1987 Newbery Honor winning young adult wilderness survival novel. Yeah. Oh, it's the first of five in the Hatchet series. Right. Nesta's obviously a big fan of malaria. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And how it gets treated. He goes, look, not a fan of planes, love mosquitoes. This is great. (laughs) But yeah, if, if I would have read it around the same time, third grade, uh, yeah, it just yeah. that's probably the only thing I retained, and maybe a bear attacked. I think it's revenant for children. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Nesta. Uh, Adam Knight told me my favorite book is Guards, Guards by Terry Pratchett, the perfect jumping on point for the Discworld series, and the book that introduces my favorite character in Discworld, The City Watch. Okay. Have you read any of these Nerd. fantasy novels? Nerd. <laughs> Terry Pratchett. So uh, popular. He's so popular, but any of you saw one of your mates carrying around a Terry Pratchett book, you'd just be like. What's his most famous book, Pratchett? Oh, I'm not sure. Let's look, look the up. The Discworld series. Yeah, I think there's, there's like 40 yeah. in there or something. No, they're, right. not, they're not full dork things, but you just. I, I never knew. It was like Game of Thrones. You'd be like, oh, when am I going to enter into this? Because I have to devote a whole lot of time to get into this series. Yeah. <laughs> the first one is called The Color of Magic. Right. Yeah, I don't know any of these books. I'm not familiar with Discworld. Or... He sold more than 85 million books worldwide. Okay. Yeah. I missed out. He was doing something those, right. He must have been prolific, one of those guys. It's just, oh. 
Yeah, it says that he. he the first How one do you was, write eighty-five million books? First one. <laughs> <laughs> He's buying. He's the only one buying a copy. <laughs> Uh, it was published in 83, the first one, and he wrote an average of two books a year after that. Prolific. Jeez. And a lot of these fantasy books, are, they're often like, you know, five, six hundred pages long. He's a Samuel L. Jackson of writing. <laughs> How long was the Steinberg book? Quite short, actually. It was about 180 oh, pages. Oh, that's, yeah. That's oh, manageable. Right. So, you buddy, uh, yeah, you get you are the book cheat here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You meant yeah. to read full size books, Monarchy. <laughs> We're on to you. <laughs> I definitely needed. What's it. next, Mr. Fantastic Mister Fox? <laughs> that was a small one, right? I forget which. Capra will loan you the Superman. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should read it. People I, I, often suggest. Man, there's some great graphic novels for sure. Suggest graphic novels. Yeah. You can't rip into me. You got all the graphic novels. Yeah, I have the classics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the ones that are literature. Primo. <laughs> yeah. Shakespeare of Christmas. Our podcast, yeah. Mike, 90% bags out nerds. And then I went over to his house. He's got Preacher. He's got everything there. Watchmen. Watchmen. The boys. Really? You're a secret nerd. Well, I don't know if that's a nerd. It's just a, a wide appreciation for all facets of pop oh, culture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, the nerdiest end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, yeah, go back to talk about Discworld. Uh, <laughs> so thanks, Adam Knight. I appreciate your choice there. And cool. finally, Nate McLean wrote in to tell me, favorite book is Animal Farm by George Orwell. Oh, yeah. Or Harry Potter and the Deathly Harrows, or Lord of the Rings, or The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Any of those. Okay. I had respect for him with the first one. <laughs> the others, what are you doing to me? Oh, man, I just remembered Animal Farm's a short one. I should do that. Yeah, oh, yeah it is. Super short. Yeah. yeah. You'd tear through that. What, you, what is he doing? Animal Farm, great. Oh, actually, I, oh, no, I got bored with I read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for a little bit. And it was funny. Yeah, the very first funny book. book. Is there, there's a bunch, isn't there? Yeah. yeah he turned into a series, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he's gone with Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. And Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Yeah. Some big sellers there, Nate. Thank Lord you. Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter needed a lot more violence and death, I reckon, in them. Really? Yeah. Harry Potter, just full on bloodshed. Yeah, I at reckon. At Hogwarts. So. Yeah. I re- <laughs> riding around on brooms. Imagine decapitate, decapitating someone on a broom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if Quidditch was like. You just wanted more horrific accidents. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen any of the movies or read the books. Beheadings and Quidditch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot more acid attacks happening. <laughs> acid attacks. <laughs> Imagine if you work for a publisher and that was your notes. You, yeah. uh, you should cut off a kid's head in uh, chapter three and have an acid attack in chapter 11. <laughs> Apart from that. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. Actually, get that guy to DM me, see what entry-level Discworld book. Can, do you have to go from the first one? Yeah, let us know. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure if it is completely ongoing. Because I remember we wrote a few mates who would always be carrying around a Terry Pratchett Didn't book. he say that one, his favourite one's the best jumping-off point? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the perfect jumping-off point yeah. was Guards, Guards by Terry Pratchett. There you oh. go. That's there your you one. Oh, maybe I'll check that one out. God's God's. Oh, what no, year that I'll, one probably, I'll probably read another Superman. <laughs> <laughs> That's number eight. It came out in 1989. Uh, there you go. I remember reading the Stephen King's earlier ones. And what, was, Dark Tower? Yeah, the Dark Tower where she knits the little thimble. It's kind of like, what is it? He or she's in prison and they... The Gunslinger? Use, I haven't read it in decades. They used a... Like a like a spinning wheel in a doll's house to knit like a rope to get out, but 
it was just took so long to knit this rope, you know, because it was using a child's thimble thing or a spinning wheel. And then my mate told me, he said, yeah, that's what Stephen King does. He just leads you along for like ages and ages. Right. And so you are being then, spun. I couldn't read any Because you're books. just imagining yourself <laughs> I was part like, of the this thimble. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching The Stand, the series, and it was so cool. It used to come on late at night. That was great. But, yeah, after that, couldn't read anything Stephen King. Because you realised exactly what he does. <laughs> yeah, he exactly just leads you along. You know. uh, well, well, thank you to everyone that uh, supports the show on Patreon and thanks to those guys, Nesta, Adam and Nate, for writing in. Appreciate that. But that gentleman just brings us to the end of the episode. Oh, man, it was great. Good yeah, fun. Yeah, it was great. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate you guys being on here. Now, if we want to hear more of you uh, hacking people's phones. Yes. What's the best place to find the phone hacks online? Uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, really. Uh, iTunes, we're on the Nearly Network. Um, yeah, just look up the Phone Hacks podcast. With Fantastic. And you got some good uh, live shows coming up. Yes. This is coming out very, very soon. Yeah. You're going around the country at the moment, Australia. If you're in Sydney, Brisbane, or Sydney, uh, we have shows there October 20th. Perth? Uh, Perth. Yes, Perth. what did I say? Sydney, Sydney, Brisbane or Sydney. Oh, yeah, yeah. Said, We're going Sydney back twice. to Sydney. We assume we'll sell out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll go back twice. Um, yeah, Sydney, Brisbane and Perth. Fantastic. Yeah. And maybe Sydney yeah. again. We'll go back to Sydney. <laughs> we'll go back to Sydney. Why not? Yeah. Nice. Is there anything else coming up in your in your guys' stuff? No, just doing stand-up dates around the country as well, um, Sydney and Sydney. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so just find uh, Mike Goldstein on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Great. How about you, Kaba? Um, I'm I'm still trying to line it up yet, but I uh, with your accomplice, Matt Stewart, we did a eight-episode podcast that we recorded in the car while we're on tour. Oh, that's cool. So it might bring that out. Love it. Soon. Yeah, yeah. On the road again. So yeah, we've we've just got to find a place to put it up. Yeah, that's uh, a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our our good uh producer friend, Callum McNabb, who's sitting right next to me, who's producing this episode. He uh yeah, he put it together for us, so that's good. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's coming out, but then not much else really. Yeah. Nice one. Stay tuned, you'll be back next year at the festivals, I imagine. Yes, I will be. We'll be back at the Cooper's Inn next year, apparently. That's what I've heard. Nice one indeed. All right, well, thank you so much for joining me. And until next week, I always say this at the end of the show, and that is books forever. (laughs) 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 Thank you. Why didn't you say that at the start of the episode? Because oh, you knew there would have been a big party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. A frog, frog, great breaking party. <laughs> I got to save some magic for the end. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, thanks so much. See Thank you, you mate. Thank you. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want, it's up to you. 